At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is the lombardi line with michael lombardi and patrick maher on vsin Okay, what's up? It is the Lombardi Line presented by BetMGM on a Friday as we head into Divisional Weekend. Of course, got the two on Saturday, the two on Sunday. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi there in New Jersey. And Michael, as we say hi to you, the dominoes start to fall in the NFL. I was just told by Stephen Bond, your boy, Joe Shane, has been named the new general manager of the New York football giants. He's was studied under Brandon Bean there in Buffalo. First off, how you doing? And then secondly, any reaction to that? Good morning. Good, Good morning, morning to you, Patrick. Look, uh, you know, uh, this is someone outside the Giants family, I think, uh, ultimately, that does signify that there will be some change. It'll be interesting to see, you know, is he going to come right in and hire Brian Dayball, who he's worked with over the last two years? What model of program is he going to build? Is it the Buffalo program? He was in Carolina as well with uh, – he was in Carolina with McDermott and all those guys down there and Brandon Bean who left from Carolina. So, you know, this is a step. And obviously now he can be involved in the head coaching interviews and see what kind of culture and program he wants to change this giant team into. So it is a step. There's no doubt. <laughs> what? what? I, don't, I just, I don't, you're, you're hilarious. That is the funniest. It's a step. It is a step. I don't know. We, we don't know if it's a step this way. We don't know if it's a step that way. You know what's funny is uh, your boy, uh, Stephen Bond, just told me. So initially you think Frazier or Dayball, right? But apparently right. at the top of his list are Quinn and Flores. So you that's know, that, what I'm that's, told. I, Yeah, I don't think you can deny that. See, there's been a lot of back-channel conversations going on. So some of these coaches who have who – have, uh, who have a chance to get a head job have been talking to the GMs that have a chance to get a job. Right. And so Flores has talked to a lot of GM candidates that I know of. And so I'm sure he's talked to, uh, I'm sure he's talked to Joe and he's talked to all these other guys because that's ultimately going to be the case. And, and I could see that. Like, I don't think it's automatic to assume Buffalo and then Buffalo assistant. I think the Giants really like, the Giants really like Brian Flores. I think they would like to go with Brian Flores if Joe wasn't there. Now, it makes it a lot easier if they go with Brian Flores if Joe agrees with it. So we shall see. I still think Dan Quinn's going to be more comfortable with George Payton. Okay. But Dan Quinn is a Jersey guy. 
And, you know, Jersey, for all of us, has this magnetic pool, which is why we deal with 20-degree weather and don't live down in Sarasota, Florida, you know, because, you know, Jersey is so appealing to us. We'll get back to that later, Patrick. I don't know why, but it is. And so, you know, maybe the being the head coach of the Giants is something you've always dreamed of doing, you know, and that could be enticing too, Dan Quinn. Is NFL Network working on the Dan Quinn documentary? Because the amount of shine he's getting right now is, is pretty. The 30 for 30 on the Dan 30 Quinn? 30 for 30 yeah, I mean, on Dan Quinn. My goodness, the backward hat and everything, huh? I think we got to do it. I think I got to write a daily coach on the Dan Quinn. I think I might do There's that. There's something for to you that. just gave me an idea. Yeah, well, the, I think what he's been able to do is he's been able to redefine and rebrand himself and have success. I think what he did is what most smart people should do when they lose a job is instead of trying to cast blame out, instead of trying to look at all the reasons why you didn't succeed because of other people's fault is go back and say, okay, I need to change my defense and the Pete Carroll defense that I know intimately doesn't work. So who am I going to become? I'm going to still be the same positive influence that I, that I try to be. I'm not changing my characteristics or my personality. However, that being said, I am going to change what I do philosophically defensively. And it worked. And he had success. America. When he went to Dallas, yes. and when he went, I said, there's no way. You know, look, you can't play this cover. You can't play the Pete Carroll scheme. You just can't. It doesn't work anymore. And I was right because Dan Quinn saw it the same way. America loves second chances, and this is a second. We'd like rehabilitation, right? And this is. Well, I think there's something to the second time around. You know, I think because if you're willing to learn from your mistakes, if you're willing to say this doesn't work, experience does matter. Sure. I know the NFL is devaluing, devaluing the head coaching job with no experience, and they just want guys to come in. But experience matters. It really does. And because you're going to get in some situations that are very, very difficult. And when you can rely on some experience, past or present experience, you know, when you can look back and say, hey, here's what Bill Parcells had to deal with when he was here. And this is what he did. Right. Or you can look at and say, hey, when we were together here, this is what happened. Those are valuable lessons. Parcells is a fascinating. I, I keep on. I, whenever you bring up Parcells, I mentioned the book I read. I'll have to bring that in. He. He, he's a, he's a fascinating dude. <laughs> Parcells is he, he could learn a lot from Bill Parcells to this day. You you could learn a lot every single day from him. He's got a wisdom about him that, and he sees the game in its entirety. He just doesn't see it as the defensive backs. That's why when he spent time on the Manning cast, he was so good because yeah. he was able to 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 talk to the audience about the whole game, about how to affect a quarterback, how to really do these things, and not and let them into the world of football that few really get to observe. And so we miss that. We miss that. And he also is able to teach coaches how to be head coaches, how to think like a head coach, how to behave like a head coach, how to lead your staff like a head coach. But we are in a subcontractor industry right now, and we've devalued the position so much that there is no head coaches. They're just, they're basically just managers. They're doing things that they think, and they, you know, here comes somebody from the cap department. Here comes the analyst. You know, we've got all these people with opinions because we like collaboration. And if you look, remember last week or two weeks ago, the conversation, Dean Pease, Dean Pease, the defensive coordinator, long time right. down in Atlanta. He said, look, the, the experience matters, essentially capsulating what you're saying. How about what's happening down in Houston? 
with Josh McCown getting a second interview, I mean, it, 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 Dean Pease would be just freaking out right now. Josh McCown just had another interview with the Houston Texans. I'm, my guess is that's to help him get more interviews. I don't know what that whole deal is about, right? Well, I think they want to hire. They I think do want to hire him? I think they want to hire him. I no experience think, I think whatsoever. None. And I think what they think they can do is, again, I think there's, a, there's been a change. Of, there's been a shift of philosophy in the NFL. And it's shocking that it's coming from somebody who was trained by Belichick in the Patriot organization. But Nick Cesario, I think, ultimately wants to be the head coach from the GM chair because it's the only reason you do this. The, the shift in philosophy in the National Football League today is now about the organization will carry the, the team, not the head coach. I come from an era where the head coach carried the team. I come from the, you know, the Parcells, the Belichicks, the Walsh, that era of the head coach was the most distinguished coach on the staff. He was the best coach on the staff. He could coach any position on the staff. His knowledge of football was endless. Today, that's not the case. Jonathan Gannon, seriously, could Jonathan Gannon go coach offense? Could he go coach the kicking game? Of course he couldn't. He's way too young and inexperienced. Could he learn that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But is he ready to do that now? Of course he's not. But because he could come in and somebody could build him into their organization and the organization will lead him, which is what the Eagles have done with Seriani, then all of a sudden, you know, you've, you've, got, you've got a lot of people involved and you've got the kind of team you want to have. And that's what's going on in the NFL right now. And to Michael's point, Gannon coordinates the defense in Philly or has coordinated the defense for the last year in Philly. He apparently made a strong impression down in Houston as well. So their two front runners are guys, Gannon, 39 years old, ran a defense for a year, and then Josh McCown, who was playing quarterback last year. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it is what it's the it's the way the NFL, the NFL is always going into these. I mean, you can see it. And I think a lot of it has to do with the younger generation of owners. Right. So Jeffrey Lurie's son is very intimately involved with his team. He's from heart, went to Harvard. They want to involve the analytical program. I'm not against analytics here, but they want to become analytical based in play calling, in adjustments, in every every aspect. Football's not baseball. It is not baseball. It has some elements of, uh, of it that you could use, but you just can't dive all the way in. Minnesota, the Will family, their, their younger generation is entering it. They want to build out the same program that Philly's building. This is the trend in the NFL, and we see these trends, and this is what happens. Smart of you to bring up baseball. They started the marginalization of the manager with the front office puppeteering, as my old co-worker co uh, used to say, the kid on the Schwinn bike riding in from UCLA when he graduated with a computer telling the manager what to do. That is, that's baseball. That's the baseball model, which is so analytic, analytically driven, starting to really get into the uh, NFL landscape as well. Yeah, and, and, and look, th there is a place for analytics. I'm not disputing that. But there's also a place for football and understanding how to build a team and what it does take and how the practicalities of analytics work. You know, you'll hear, well, you need to be an 11 personnel to throw the ball. Yeah, you do. Okay, I agree with that. But who's going to block the guy that we can't block at right tackle? You know, who's gonna, is Josh Wells going to be able to block Leonard Floyd when we're in 11 for Tom Brady? You know, it, that may be the right formation, but maybe this week it might not be. There's somebody has got to be able to take players and plays and get them together. I can only imagine the text chains you've got going because I just saw Matt Eberflus is potentially getting hired down in Jacksonville. I just saw Jim Caldwell. Oh, Eberflus is, get, Eberflus he's gonna is get getting it? the job. 
He's going to get a job. He's either, I, I was told he's either going to get Jacksonville or he's going to get the Bears. No kidding. And I was told yesterday that he was the leader in the Bears clubhouse. Now, maybe Jacksonville decided to act because Jacksonville was going to take a little bit more time. But that, to me, is uh, what, what I would see. That's hilarious. And then I love – how about your boy – You know what's remarkable about Eberflus? We said this yesterday. Like, did, ja- did the, the Jacksonville ownership, did they were at the last game of the year? <laughs> Can was... you check on that, Stephen Bond? Was the Jacksonville owners at the last game of the year? I think they were in London. I mean, like, did they not watch this bad offense, which was bad all year, move up and down the field on Eberflus's defense? The best is Jim Caldwell said to Minnesota and the and the Raiders, "I'm good, thanks." They asked for an interview. He said, what? "No." He knows what's going on. I mean, he knows. He doesn't want to just be a guy that comes in. He doesn't want to. Yeah, he don't he don't use me. My goodness, we're down to five and a half across the board in Green Bay. We'll come back and discuss and more with Michael Lombardi here on the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. It's VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, football playoff season is here of course. BetMGM has you covered. It's the king of sportsbooks. Visit BetMGM.com. Download the BetMGM app. Stop by any MGM casino here in Nevada. Bring your state-issued ID and you're ready to bet within minutes. BetMGM, state-of-the-art technology, fan-friendly specials, 21 years or older. And if you have a problem, it's 1-800-522-4700. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. Hope you, Hopefully you're having a good day. We got the um, – I mean, I, you and I like the wild card weekend because there's more games. But if we're being fair, uh, mm-hmm. these, these two coming up tomorrow and two on Sunday, it doesn't get much better. As far as matchups, we've got – before these games start, we've got something pretty special lined up here. We should. I mean, look, the lines are perfect. I mean, the, the, the teams are very close when you break them down. And, you know, home field will matter this year. It didn't matter last year. You know, we get rematches in three of the four games uh, where these teams played much earlier in the season. The teams are different now. But the familiarity also helps create a better sense of the game. And, you know, we don't have any COVID cases in the National Football League, which is another positive. So, Everything should be moving, trending in the right direction, which is exciting. Based uh, MGM is sending in the numbers here, the most backed teams so far, the Packers, 
and the Titans have the most tickets and they're taking the most money at BetMGM. Let's start with the Packers here, Michael. When you and I sat down yesterday, it was mostly sixes across mm -hmm. the board, a key number. It's now down to five and a half. Maybe it, you can tell me why. Let's start with the Packers as far as getting healthy. They haven't had the edge, Zadarius Smith, since week one. Looks like he's going to be back. Jair Alexander, great cornerback. They haven't had him since week four. Looks like he's coming back. Bakhtiari played against the Lions in week 18. He'll probably play. And Randall Cobb. Let's start with those guys returning. Well, I mean, that makes a huge difference, right? They get Cobb back, the security blanket for Rodgers. He knows he's got a slot receiver, somebody he can throw to, which really will help because this he going against a zone team, and you're going to have to throw the ball in the middle of the field, and you're going to have to find a guy on third down that can get open and separate and find experience within the, within the zone defense of the 49ers. So that certainly is going to help. The offensive line, Bakari's back. Because I think this line moved from six down because of the news out of the Bay Area that Bosa was, was trending towards playing, right? And Warner was going to play. Like that ankle injury wasn't as bad for him as it turned out to be. So you're going to get two of their best players back on the field, and that certainly helps. And I think that's why this line moves slightly down just a little bit. It tricked down to from six to five and a half. And we all know this, the Packers get their guys back, but can they play at a high level again? Are they going to be able to play and function you know, one thing that's get you get Jair Alexander back is he is he back and ready to play back? You know, that's always a different thing. The speed of the game, understanding all those things. You know, the experience helps, but is he ready to play? And I think we'll find that out in the first quarter. Bakari, Bakari, I don't know if I say his name right. That's critical because Huge. that gives them a legitimate left tackle. That gives them somebody who hasn't played all year but could go in there and really make a difference in their offense and make a difference in LaFleur's play calling because LaFleur will be able to not have to worry about chipping, not have to worry about giving that left tackle some help because he's going to have to give the right tackle some help because the one area where you can make some hay against the 49er, against the Packers, is you've got to pressure their offensive line. And when they block and give this guy time, he's sensational. Yeah, Bakhtiar, that's huge. Cobb, you mentioned kind of a security blanket. And then on defense, Alexander and Smith, they should get those two back as well. Now, again, we're talking about a lot of these guys returning, Derrick Henry in particular, down in Tennessee as well. What you get from them is different, but it does provide a boost. Like these players coming back, Zadarius Smith and Jair Alexander, yep. two of the best defenders. No doubt, no doubt. And, and I think that that really makes a huge difference, right? So... Uh, you know, when you when you get this coming, and especially in key positions that you're going to need it. Look, the one thing we're going to see on, on Saturday night is we're going to see a lot of throws in the middle of the field. I mean, that's what the 49ers want to do, right? They want to throw the ball inside. So for Green Bay, they've got to pack the middle of the field, and they've got to be able to live on the outside in one-on-one -on -one coverage, which, you know, typically they've struggled to do. But with, with Alexander back, that certainly helps them. Because you want, against the Kyle Shanahan, you want to control the middle of the field, you want to rush Garoppolo inside, and you want to pack the inside of the field and force Garoppolo to have to make throws outside. That's, look, when you look at the, if you look at the 49er offense on their passing chart, it's inside throws between the hash marks, between the numbers. That's where they want to throw the football. And if you can live with a guy on the outside who can take away a receiver, you, you got a better chance to keep Pack in the middle of the field. This is what teams, when Brady was so good during his heyday with Gronk and Hernandez, they just packed the middle of the field, and they forced the ball to go outside. And some years Brady was good at throwing it with Moss and all those guys, but some years it wasn't. 
and and Rex Ryan would continue to just play one robber, one rat, all the all the pack coverages to keep the ball out of the middle of the field. That's what Green Bay's got to do Sunday, on Saturday night. And just to back up to what you said to start this, of the four divisional games, we're getting three rematches. What's fascinating, Michael, is the three the three rematches. Those games were played so early in the season. So, yep. for example, that's week three, the thirty to twenty eight win, which I dug into last night. It's a fascinating game. But yeah. since week eight, San Francisco is a completely different team. I mean, just like so nine and three straight up, nine and three ATS. Like this San Francisco team that played in week three to now. First off, Trey Sermon was the running back. They had twenty one yeah. carries, sixty seven yards. So that game was fascinating. Yeah, and, and defensively they weren't the same and when you they also spotted the Packers a 17 to nothing lead. Yep. So they're playing catch up. You play catch up against Aaron Rodgers, really the only chance you have is if if they go into that stall tactic which they did against Cleveland. You know, we've seen them do it against Cleveland, we've seen them do it against Baltimore. You know, when they go into that four-corner offense and they don't stay aggressive, they give the other team a chance to come back on a defense that's wounded. And, and I think that's what happened in this game. And then, you know, with 37 seconds left to go, the 49ers are, are with no timeouts. They think they're going to win this game, and all they got to do is, is, is keep the ball out of the middle of the field, and they couldn't do it. So, Michael nailed it. So, the 49ers in that matchup fell behind 17-0. They then took a 28-27 lead, and then five minutes to go, I think they were right around midfield, Jimmy fumbled it. And then that was, and they had two turnovers on the day. I was digging through this a little bit too, Michael. So the seven losses this year for the 49ers, at least one turnover. And six yep. of those losses, they had at least two. They had two turnovers on the day in the loss to the Green Bay Packers. This was the San Francisco, this San Francisco could have won that game. And again, that they're a microcosm of what they were then to now. Yeah, I mean, look, they cleaned it up. They cleaned up their game. Yeah, they found a better running back than Sermon and, and Mitchell, so he gives them some juice. They've incorporated Samuel more in their offense. I didn't like when you watched the game plan against the Packers. I didn't like it. There was too much shotgun. There was too much movement. There was too much trying to be deceptive and not just really doing what they do best. I think Chris Forrester, the offensive line coach of the 49ers, I think they'll have a good plan. I think they'll be able to because they know the one of the reasons they didn't win that game and got behind in that game was they couldn't couldn't run the football. And if that happens again on Sunday, on Saturday night in Green Bay, they won't win that game either. Yeah. No, you know, I, I mean, my guess is with San Francisco, first off, when I think San Francisco, they run well, they defend the run well, right? So you, yeah, that's they, where they have to start, especially it's going to be t below 10 degrees. It's going to be a little breezy there. It's going to be late. You got to run the football with Elijah Mitchell. They got to run the ball, and you've got to be able to make throws outside the numbers. You're going to have to throw the ball outside, and you're going to have to get the ball to Samuel almost as much as you get it to Kittle. You got, you know, when you walk off this field on Saturday night, you got to say, "Look, we got everything we could out of Samuel. We got everything we could out of Kittle." They couldn't take those two players out of the game. You know, Ayuk and everyone else can make some contributions. That's great, but we've got to really be able. If we're going to throw the football, we're throwing it to these guys that make plays. And it's fascinating, too, uh, just looking up at Aaron Rodgers. The last two opportunities he's gotten in the postseason, he's been underwhelming. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it, it, he wasn't great. He wasn't bad last year against Tampa, but he, wasn't, he didn't take them to the level he needs to. Well, you know, too, he was getting hit. He was getting hit. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, he got hit a lot in that game, and the offensive line didn't play very well. 
So for for him, he you know when he's clean. Look, we know this. He's not going to turn this ball over. We know that he's too good. To, he he protects the football. And if the 49ers turn it over, they will lose because they're not going to gain an advantage in the turnover takeaway column. They're just not going to do it. Rodgers will be very comfortable. He, one thing Rodgers will do, he will know exactly what they're in every single play. Oh, yeah. You know, the expectation is that there will be Rodgers money and the home team money as far as the favorites and the Packers. I don't think we're going to see six again. I think there's going to be 49. I think there's some 49er sports going to be real here because their ability to run the ball. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that believe the matchup favors San Francisco. I think there's no doubt about that. You know, and I do too. But the problem that lurks over the, my right shoulder is Aaron Rodgers. That's what <laughs> bothers me the most. The boogie You know, man. because the special team certainly is going to favor the, favor the 49ers. Even though they're not a great kicking game team, it'll favor them. And when I say run, to your point, what you said, that, that also means Debo. I mean, this yeah. Samuel has turned yeah. into quite a weapon. He's a weapon. He's a weapon. That's what Zeke never became, even though they paid him all that money. It's, we have these terms. We call them running backs, wide receivers. Well, there's another term in football called weapon. Yep. Weapon. Somebody who changes field position in a hurry. Or as they're calling Debo in San Francisco, he's a wide back. 15 total yeah. touchdowns, over 1770 yards from scrimmage. That's third in the NFL. He led the NFL in yards per reception at 18.3. Uh, he had eight rushing touchdowns. Couldn't be more valuable. Shouts at the South Carolina Gamecocks. Second most heavily bet game right now. And team, the Titans. They're next. This is the Lombardi line. You're listening to the Lombardi line on VSEN. Featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, so the Lombardi line is wherever you find your podcast. It's available. But our podcast here on the network, including the Lombardi line, can be found at vcin.com slash podcast. Again, that's the, that's the question I get asked. Do you guys have podcasts? Yes, every show is cataloged in podcast. It's vcin.com slash podcast. Beating the book with Gil Alexander, Market Insights, Josh Applebaum, Hardwood Handicappers, JVT. Lombardi line, follow the money, my guys, in the desert. Coast to coast hoops. It's all there, and they're all free. Vston.com slash podcast. Okay, there it is. Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. He's Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. So the second most heavily bet team as we take a look and uh, tickets, everything, even on, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what data you're looking at right now. Uh, BetMGM has the Titans with the tickets and the money. Uh, yep. And this number is three and a half. It's three. It's painted three and a half. And when I say painted, I mean every book that we're looking at has the same number. And mm. you see the juice. It's not going anywhere. It's 110. Yeah, Standard no. vigorish. And, and no one's betting Cincinnati, and it's not moving. I mean, on our board, w which calculates a, a bunch of offshore books and the Westgate, Circa, you know. I mean, we know this. I mean, it's, you know, 84% of the tickets are being written. 63% uh, of the tickets are on the Titans, 84% of the money. Everybody's betting, and yet the number's not moving off a three and a half anywhere. I mean, anywhere. You no. know, I think it's pretty much universal. Circus at three and a half. DraftKings, New Jersey's at three and a half with no juice. So, you know, I think that's the line that, that, that the book feels very comfortable with that. And you've got to ask yourself the question if, as a better, do you think that Tennessee can control the pace of this game? Can Tennessee create turnovers? Can Tennessee protect the football? Because at the end of the day, Tennessee is good when they protect the ball. Now, Tennessee struggles, there's no doubt. We saw Davis Mills move the ball up and down the field in the second half. They didn't cover that 10-point spread in the last game of the year. What was their motivation in that game? I don't know. 
you know, but they had to win it and they did enough to win it. They didn't look great. I think the key to this game is the Cincinnati offensive line. Can they travel well? Can they protect? In Nashville, it's going to be crowded. It's going to be loud. I mean, I've been there before. It's a wonderful stadium. The, the, the fans in Nashville are great, and they do make noise. And it will be a hostile environment for the Bengals. And if the Bengals just throw it up to Jamar Chase and he makes plays, you know, so be it. But I think that's going to be the harder game for them to do it in. And you always talk about offensive lines traveling well, where the Bengals are really, there's some concern along both fronts. Ogunjobi is essentially the anchor, you know, for that right. against the run run game. And he's out the defensive tackle for the Bengals. And here comes Henry back. I mean, it's just, it's a weird recipe right now, a banged up defensive front and an offensive line. That was one of the worst in football, as far as protecting the quarterback against a Titans team that can get after it. A little bit like, a little bit like the Georgia Alabama game second time, right? So we saw what we saw, what, the Bengals wanted to do against the Raiders. They they did exactly what we thought. They spread it out. They got the ball out of out of Burrow's hands, and they didn't really want him to get hit. And so they went empty, and they ran a lot of against zone, and they threw a lot of easy completions. Okay, Vrabel's had a chance. His defensive staff. This is what they want to do. We know it's going to be a. They're going to go and try to get that out. We're going to adapt to that, much like Georgia adapted to the Alabama game plan. I think they've got a double chase in this game. I think they've got to force the ball to somebody other than other than Chase. It's got to go to Higgins. It's got to go to Tyler Boyd somewhere in there and just take your chances. And I think that's ultimately what they'll do. And they can rush. I mean, Bud Dupree starting to play better at the end of the year. Jeffrey Simmons is a dominating inside rusher. So they've got the elements to create some problems, and they've got to be able to hit them. And then they also have to be able to force to force the Bengals to have to play from behind, to play a catch-up game. Not that the Bengals can't throw the ball. It just puts more pressure on their offensive line. Do we put, in, do, do, do we put anything into the last time we saw the Titans? They scrambled, and they needed the game against Houston. Remember, they allowed 20, that 21-point lead to evaporate in the second half. Um, they held on to win 28-25. I don't know how much we put into that effort to, the last time we saw Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, that's the hard one for me is, you know, was Vrabel thinking, let's just get out of here with the win? Right. I thought they would be more dominating in the game, you know, but I, you know, and they, they really weren't. I don't think you can just dismiss it. The speed of the Beng of the Texans defense, because they can run pretty well, the Texans. I just don't know how good this Bengal defense is. I mean, the Raiders, look, I think the Raiders are going to blame the, the 54 passes by Carr in that game. You don't want Carr doing that. You don't want Carr doing that. Mm -hmm. No. I mean, especially since Jacobs is averaging six four carry on his thirteen. I can promise you, Henry's going to carry the ball more than thirteen times. We know Hendricks. That's a huge get for them. The Hendrickson clearing in and being able to play their sack leader there in Cincy. But again, I, I the, my biggest concern would be the interior of that defensive front. And like you said, you saw, I, I didn't see the video you saw, but you said Henry looked good when he was g given time to practice. I, I thought he looked really good, you know, and I thought, look, and their offensive lines, probably this is, I'm talking about Tennessee is going to be the healthiest it's been all year. They'll get Saffold back at left guard, which they, you know, they had some problems there, you know, and they've got their, ta you know, Luan will be playing. Look, you know, this will be Julio should be healthy. He's had a week off. And look, let's not minimize this week off. It does help. Now, teams tend to start slow on the week off, but I think that they really will be, you know, I think this Tennessee team, one thing about them, 
they're not going to change who they are. They know exactly who they are. They're going to run it. They're going to play action pass. They're going to get the ball to A.J. Brown, and you tackle them. And they're going to try to throw the ball down the field to Julio, and this kid Westbrook makes some really good inside plays for them, and they got the ability to get Chester Rogers to win on third down. So they know who they are. Tannehill can't beat them. And Foreman's a really good back. I mean, Foreman yes. comes in and gives them another, you know, he gives them another back to help them. You know, and now I don't know, you know, right now we're talking about, I don't think that, you know, what's um, the uh, the one kid, Nichols, they'll probably bring him up for the practice squad. He's on, you know, they've been rotating him back and forth. So he's their nickel player. So they bring him up for the game. You know, I, I love the recruiting. Foreman was a huge deal coming out of high school. And huge. He, I mean, just, it's not like he does, they, I, I, this Tennessee team could be, and I'm going to give you these numbers, and this is with Joby, the Cincinnati defensive tackle. Essentially, over the last six weeks down the stretch here for the Bengals, they've allowed the opponent to get 100 yards on the ground except one time. Over the last three contests, Cincinnati has allowed almost six a carry, 5.9 yards a carry. And that's with Joby. This does not bode well. No, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the matchup doesn't fit, right? Everybody loves Cincinnati because they see the deep ball. But if you're real honest and you watch that tape, the Raiders should have won the game. The Raiders should have won the game. The Raiders, yes. for whatever, yeah, they just didn't close red it out. Zone, the Raiders, they couldn't you, score. Red man. zone. And, and neither could Cincinnati score in the red zone. And they got the benefit of, the, of the, uh, the, the magic whistle. But the reality of it is, is they couldn't score down there. And the Raiders turned the ball over twice and still had a chance to win the game. That tells you a lot right there, Patrick. Yeah, it's 100%. And you just, I, I like the way you put it because those are the texts I'm getting from Michigan. Of course, everybody wants to bet Cincinnati. Why? The deep ball. Burrow, right. deep ball, chase. They just, it's, and it, 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 even for some of the more sophisticated, better, you know, sometimes it's hard to get off that flashiness. Yeah. But you, you got to refocus and understand this is in the trenches. This is a mismatch right now. Right. I mean, really, it is. And I think when you think about it and when you look at it, you say to yourself, okay, you know, well, this Bengal offense can move the ball on anybody, and Tennessee's not great on defense. Yes, Tennessee's not great in terms of giving up yards. They're really good on third-down defense. They're really good on third-down defense. They're really good in the red zone. Those are the two most critical areas in football. Get off the field and keep them from scoring. And that's where Tennessee is in the top ten, top five, actually. The total open 46.5 has jumped up to 47.5. Interesting because Tennessee defensively has been awesome the second half of the year, and they do play on offense at a slower pace. So a little interested to see that tick up a little bit there, but that's probably because the Bengals just like to air it out and people like to bet them. <laughs> right, and, and I think that, you know, ultimately, you know, one quick play here. I mean, Tennessee is going to want to pace the game. I mean, they know what they're up against in terms of Chase and Burrow's connection down the field. They're going to want to make sure that the Bengals don't have one-play drives. You know, they saw that against, you know, they saw that when, when they watched the tape. I mean, against the Chiefs, you know, throw a curl right against zone, all of a sudden the kid breaks it for a touchdown. Try to play one-on-one man-to-man with no help on top. Chase comes down with the ball twice. You can't do that. Make this team put together. When you're playing against a bad offensive line, here's what you must do to win the game. You must rush five all the time. Why? Because you want every one of those offensive linemen to block somebody one-on-one. Yeah. You want them to have to block. You don't want them to help. You don't want them to come over and help. That's one. Two, you want to make sure you don't give up any big plays because you want them to string together 12 play drives. At some point, bad offensive lines will break down over a drive. 
And so you want them to have a 10, 12, 11 play drive because at some point they're going to break down and not score. Yeah. And I, my greater point I was trying to kind of uh, illustrate, I just don't know if the Bengals are going to get the touches. It, it, to Tennessee, they can, they can control the ball, especially with Henry coming back. I think that they're no going to try to limit those I touches. I think with Foreman, they're going to control the ball. I mean, they can, or, yeah, look, the Raiders could have controlled the ball with Jacobs. I mean, he's 6'4 right. carry, and we only given it to him 13 times. Jacobs had 6'4 carry. Foreman's better than Jacobs. And Henry is on another level. I totally agree. Yeah, with you. no doubt. Totally agree. Okay, Wes Reynolds is going to join us next here on the Lombardi line. Get a couple of first half plays in those games as well. It's next here on Vista and the Sports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You're listening to The Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, so it's BetMGM and the divisional round. That's uh, quite a combination. So here's what they're going to do for you at BetMGM.com. Ten bucks wins you 200. You just place a money line wager for ten dollars on any team this weekend. If anybody scores a touchdown, you're going to win two hundred dollars. Paid for and free bets for new betters. Vsin two hundred. Vsin two hundred is the code. You got to use that. BetMGM.com. New customer offer. Also, when you bet through the app and through the site, you get M Life rewards that you can redeem at any MGM resort. Again, Vsin two hundred. Anybody scores a touchdown, two hundred bucks is yours. One eight hundred Gambler. For more information, Michael Lombardi there. We're going to be here tomorrow, Saturday, of course, and Sunday on Visa and the Sports Betting Network, the Lombardi line every weekend. We're going to bring in our buddy Wes Reynolds. Of course, long shots. He's going to be here all weekend, uh, Green Zone and betting across America. As we say hi to Wes, I didn't get to see who the boys handed out for the Amex there at La Quinta. Who did you guys, hand, who, you guys give out as a winner there, Wes? Yeah, a couple guys that went low yesterday. I have Tom Hoagie at 125 to one. He is currently seven under par. Nice. Christian Dadenhood at 62 to one. He's currently at six under. But La Quinta has been the easiest course. So if you look at the leaderboard yesterday, the guys that were the leaders, Lee Hodges, a PGA Tour rookie, and Patrick Cantlay, who was the second favorite at 10 to one, they both shot 10 under par yesterday. So don't have anybody right up there at the top right now now but it is a 54 hole cut so all these players play each a different course once before they go to the die course on sunday so mid 20 under par is going to win this thing beautiful wow 
Beautiful. I always, Michael. Where's I, my I, man, Ricky? Where's yeah, my where's, man, Ricky? Where's, I was going to ask. Where's, where's Ricky? Ricky? Where's Ricky at, Wes? I, I've got to search. He is in the field this week. Uh, good <laughs> Keep start searching, day, though, Michael. Three under through four holes, but he's only at two under par, so he's got to do a little bit of work to kind of get in good range to make the cut. Well, yeah, once he gets close, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, keep us – we should have – where you know, not where's Waldo, where's Ricky? That's what we should continue to ask. <laughs> where, where, where in the hell is where, – Well, actually, in golf, we should ask where's Carson. In football, we should ask where Ricky's. That's what we should do. They're kind of they're both <laughs> the think, same guy. I think that works. It's nice to have the uh, the swing head back to Los Angeles because the times are normal. That's all I can say as far as the uh, watching yeah. the golf. Okay, so – we got a little theme with West today, and that's the first halves of these games. So let's jump into mm. these. Of course, the yeah. uh, full game spread on Cincinnati and Tennessee is three and a half. Uh, Tennessee's laying two and a half in the first half here, West. Let's get your take on it. Yeah, this is the only game so far that I actually have not bet on because I think this is the toughest game to handicap, really, because you have Tennessee. They are getting Derrick Henry back, but... Is there going to be some rust to knock off, especially early in this game? And Cincinnati, look, they're not total playoff greenhorns anymore because they did win last week. But still, going on the road, still a very young team, not so sure really about their play calling. Most teams, I'm saying, hey, run the ball a little bit more. But with Cincinnati, it's the opposite. I think they should throw the ball a little bit more. I almost think that they're running it a little bit too much because the numbers don't bear out that they're really all that successful at it, even though uh, Mixon had 1,200 yards this year. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I actually do lean the over in this game. From a first-half perspective, though, I would probably look to play Cincinnati if I had to because they do have a game under their belt at least. So Tennessee could have some rust to knock off, even though they look fully healthy on offense for the first time really in a long time. But Mike Vrabel, when you look at him over the course of his head coaching career, ain't no straight off off about a week of rest. Yeah, that's that's what I was just going to say. I mean, Vrabel's really good at situational football coaching, understanding how to rest his team, and then picking up where he kind of left off. There's really no lull time in, the, in that break, and you got to believe that you know they've had two weeks to prepare. That opening drive for Tennessee should result in points, and they know, I think they have to know, we got to play from in front. we got to force this bad offensive line to participate in the game. If we let Burrow dink and dunk on us and we allow him to stay you know, where he doesn't have to get into a drop-back game, not because they don't have a drop-back offense, only because this line can't block, I think that's a disadvantage to the Titans. And Rabel's too good to know that. Wes Reynolds uh, joining Michael and myself here on the Lombardi line. You have a uh, a total play on the San Francisco Green Bay game. Let's save that and first start with the first half just to get your feel. Uh, the the game number is five and a half. The first half number is the Packers lane three. Yeah, I would still maybe look a little bit first half under here, and you did mention the play. It is full game under. If you really look at these two teams, and look, the 2019 NFC Championship game, it was 37-20, to 20, so obviously that went well north of the total because Green Bay had no answers in stopping the 49ers run. I think Jimmy G was only like 6 of 8 for 77 yards in that game. And then this year, 
earlier it went over 30 to 28, but there, I believe, were 27 points scored in the fourth quarter. That total was 50 and a half, and now you're seeing 47 and a half. So I still like the under here, and I think San Francisco, look, that's what they have to do. They're going to have to run the ball on this Green Bay defense that's still 27th in DVOA. Now you're going to get Alexander back. You're going to get Ladarius Smith perhaps back tomorrow. So you would think with Smith being back, at least a little bit of improvement. But with Jimmy G battling that thumb and battling that shoulder, I think you're going to see run heavy from both of these teams. And as explosive as maybe these offenses can be, especially Green Bay, if you look at the pace of play, and that's what I was looking at, pace of play stats, San Francisco 30th in the league in terms of offensive pace, Green Bay 32nd. So this isn't a team that's in a hurry necessarily to score. So if you're betting and over in this game, you may be having to play catch-up. So if you're looking to bet the over, I would wait for an in-game opportunity because I think maybe you get a slow start out of both these teams, kind of feel each other out. You, you know, I, I think that's a great point. I think when you when you study these two teams, I think you they, you understand there's different reasons why their pace is a little lighter. For Green Bay, they want Rodgers to have as much time on that play clock to be able to get him in the right play, change the play, redirect the protection, whatever we do. San Francisco, they're going to run the football. They're also going to want to be in the right play at the right time, but they're more about we're going to run this thing. I think the only thing that I worry about is because of the eight-man front, because the Niners are so good at playing the run and stopping the run, you know, I think that it's going to behoove Rodgers to come out of this game throwing. And I think he's got to make some, there's going to be a, some easy throws, five, six-yard throws, whether it's the outs, whether it's the in cuts, whatever it is, he's going to read the secondary and, and go for it. And I think early in this game, I think you'll see the Packers run more than throw. Tremendous breakdown from you both. Let's get a play on Sunday before we say goodbye. And you do like the Rams catching the three. Some of the threes are disappearing, but you can still find one. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, and the fact that this hasn't gone up, because I think the casual sentiment is on Tampa Bay. Why would you bet against Tom Brady in the playoffs? Matthew Stafford just won his first playoff game, maybe giving less credit to the Rams and more credit to Arizona being bad in that Monday night game. And yet you're seeing these three start to disappear. So somebody out there likes the L.A. Rams, and I'm going with the some ones. In terms of like a first half angle, I would maybe look at the first half under, and if you're looking to bet the over in this game this is a good in-game opportunity because eventually these offenses can get going and I know that we you know consider McVay kind of one of the young young quote-unquote genius coaches in the league and Bruce Arians is risk it for the biscuit but if you look when they come out they're very methodical early they kind of like to feel the game out a little bit and the Bucks offense in the second half of the season has kind of started slow in games so you might see a more conservative or deliberate approach early on but then, you know, you're going to see the tempo increase, especially if Tampa Bay is down. And then I worry with Tampa Bay with these offensive line injuries. I don't know how much they that Tom Brady, who's done it time after time, has come back from not having all of his weapons. But with this offensive line issue, you may see Tampa Bay, at least in the meat of the game, try to do a quicker tempo. You know, three-step drops and ball is out try to hit him with quick hitters on draws in the running game. So that's why I worry about like going a full game over. So I would maybe look first half under here because I think you can see a slow start and then it pick up later in the game. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you on that, Wes. I, I agree with that. I think you, you know, I think this has got a real chance to be a back and forth. And I think that one thing I do know, McVay knows Todd Bowles. There's certain coaches that understand how to attack another coach. Bowles was left really when he left Los Angeles. McVay had his number. He had his number last year when they won, and a game came, got a lot closer than the score. But even with Jared Goff, he had his number. So I think they're going to score, and I think Brady's going to score too. I, I, I'm with you on this. I think this could be a track meet a little bit. Wes, uh, I'm remissive. I can't believe I didn't bring it up. Congrats to your Indiana Hoosiers yesterday beating the Boilermakers at home. Ivy tried to steal it in the second half for Purdue by himself, but they held him off, which is huge for Indiana. And in just 30 seconds here, if you don't mind, in conference, Michigan State, you like them in Wisconsin tonight. I do, and and look, Michigan State's had turnover issues, but Wisconsin doesn't really pressure the ball that much. Izzo's had almost a week to prepare for this one, so it's gone down to three and a half. I think Sparty gets right. They've been living kind of dangerously lately. Two schools that like to drink, Michigan State and Wisconsin, that's for sure. Wes, good luck this weekend. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, fellas. Thanks, Wes. All right, there he goes, Wes Reynolds. Beeson host doing a great job with the golf, the football, the basketball, everything. We come back, we'll talk about that Rams-Bucks game next here at Lombardi Line. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare.